This is K-A-Y-T, Gina Alexandria. The gospel is on the radio at 88.1. Call up somebody. Tell them it's going to be all right. K-A-Y-T. Got the gospel transmitting all day. Ladies and gentlemen, we are here today to call on the highest power of the universe to bring peace and prosperity upon his people. The God that we serve is a deliverer and a strong tower. He is a God of stability, a God of substance, a God of authority, and a God who can solve all of our issues. So today, establish your people with deliverance, deliverance from the unemployment line, deliverance from food stamps and welfare, deliverance from the inner city housing and project living, deliverance from drug addiction, deliverance from social injustice, deliverance from drive-by shootings, deliverance from illiteracy and homelessness, deliverance from racism and bigotry, deliverance from hatred and violence, deliverance from the doom of demonism, deliverance from sin and seduction, deliverance from helplessness and despair. Authenticate us with the principles of your power so that we can dwell in your power today.
am excited to introduce to you Deliverance Today Ministries. Our world is full of trouble, and we have reached a point where it is time to bring to the people of God the truth of God. We are headquartered in Shreveport, Louisiana, and are connected to churches worldwide. Each week, we desire to come into your life with a message of deliverance that will prepare you for heaven. invite you to join our prayer line and zoom into a closer walk with God every morning from 6 to 7 a.m. Central Standard Time. We have health professionals, spiritual counselors, and Christian aid workers in Louisiana and Texas, and we'll also extend our resources to help you with social, spiritual, financial, and mental needs wherever you are. you, but I'm so glad that Jesus caught my fall. Who'd ever thought a lamb would save me? Them white and small, black and white. 
continue our message from last week, Matthew chapter 2 and verse 2. Where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and are come to worship him. Our message today is unexpected worship. For worship in the Bible moves back and forth between personal experience and corporate experience. Personal worship may occur in very private circumstances or may be related to public worship. This is illustrated by the shifting back and forth from plural speakers to a singular speaker in the Psalms. Personal worship and corporate worship are mutually interactive. Corporate worship is empowered by personal experience, but personal experience needs affirmation and interpretation in corporate worship. Thus, early Christians were warned not to neglect meeting together in worship. 
as is the habit of some, in order to encourage one another in the faith and in the spiritual life. Assembling together in worship is an affirmation of what the worshipers believe and an opportunity for mutual response to the gracious actions of God. Worship in the Bible appears in varied forms and types. Times and places are among the major factors. Worship, especially of the corporate type, normally takes place according to some sort of schedule and or calendar. There are times and seasons for worship, even though in the Bible, God is present with his people at any time. Sharpened awareness of the divine presence may result from intensive exercises of worship during special times and at special places. These occasions and places are also the context for religious education and the development and enjoyment of fellowship among the worshipers. Thus, in ancient Israel, there was the divine command that three times in the year all your males shall appear before the Lord God, and three times in the year you shall hold a festival for me. The Psalms with expressions of lament, confession, thanksgiving, praise, teaching, and celebration show the breath of Old Testament worship. The followers of Jesus, who became known as Christians, received a rich heritage of worship from Judaism. But the new dynamics of their experience with Christ brought about major changes. The festivals of Passover and Pentecost were retained, but in different forms. The Lord's Supper, the crucifixion, and the resurrection of Jesus are all closely related to the Passover celebration. The Christian Easter is a form of the Passover. According to Pentecost, was the occasion of a great filling and empowering of the disciples of Jesus by the Holy Ghost. In, and, and the New Testament indicates that early Christians converted Pentecost into a Christian observance. It was continued to be observed as a part of the Christian calendar by many churches. Tabernacle booze had not been continued in Christian worship except in the related forms of thanksgiving observances and harvest festivals. The Day of Atonement is used theologically to interpret Christ's sacrifice in Hebrews 8 and 9, but does not seem to have been a regular part of Christian worship, except in the form of penitential periods like Lent. For Christians, the whole complex of temple activities, priesthood, sacrifice, and sin cleansing. Rituals either became obsolete or were reinterpreted in major ways. For where two or three are gathered together, says Jesus, in my name, I am there among them. The heart of the Christian is the power of Christ's presence in the gathered community of his disciples. How far away from God and how lost the world has become. Not to know that God has sent the true king, his son, into the world. So much so that people will use the term Xmas 
instead of Christmas. Where is Christ in Christmas? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Nathanael answered and said unto him, Rabbi, thou art the son of God, thou art the king of Israel. Pilate therefore said unto him, Art thou a king then? Jesus answered, Thou sayest that I am a king. To this end was I born, and for this cause came I into the world, that I should bear witness unto the truth. Every one that is of the truth heareth my voice. Now unto the king eternal, immortal, invisible, the only wise God, be honor and glory forever and ever of the increase of his government and peace there shall be no end upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom to order it and to establish it with judgment and with justice from henceforth even forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this for Isaiah 9 and verse 7 says, and there was given unto him dominion and glory and a kingdom that all people and nations and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away and his kingdom which thou shall not be destroyed. He was in the world and the world knew him not. How could God send his son into the world and the world not know it. How clearly the wise men illustrate the world's blindness to eternal affairs. A wise man is a man who seeks after the king of the Jews. The wise men's unexpected disturbance was that they came following a star. It was the wise men who affected the Jews, not the Jews who affected the wise men. Few Jews were even aware of their king's birth. Imagine the great anticipation of the wise men as they journeyed and approached Jerusalem. Picture the shock on their faces. No one knew about the newborn king. He who, was, who he was was anything but a king to them. Three groups in particular are mentioned as being disturbed why were they disturbed? They just did not know about him. What they had already come to understand was unclear to them. For you see, some people were disturbed because they had anticipated his coming, but he had not come as they had expected. They had expected a king, not a humble child, not a self-giving savior. Others just did not believe they could care less. Still others did not want to know about the king who might disturb their life. Secondly, the government who represented Herod was disturbed because it did not want a king coming from God who might threaten the present line of form of authority of their Roman leadership. Number three, some religionists were disturbed because they did not want a king to come as he had come. He and his coming did not match their beliefs, for they were looking for royalty, 
They were looking for pop and circumstance. Others did not want a king other than the one that they had. They were comfortable in the material world and the humanistic religion of the world. Others were so wrapped up in their religious affairs and its busyness that they were not spiritually sensitive enough to be aware of his coming. However, some religionists did turn to him at a later date. But oh, what it is to accept Jesus when he comes. Note that Matthew stressed a point that is too often true of our generation. The very people who should have known about the newborn Messiah had ignored the scriptures and its prophecy. The world had to send them scurrying to pay attention to this message. Oh, it is so pathetic that people in the world have to tell people who say that they believe in Jesus that Jesus is about to come. For this people's heart is waxed gross and their ears are dull of hearing and their eyes they have closed lest at any time they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and should understand with their heart and should be converted and should heal them. They said unto him, Where is thy father? Jesus answered, Ye neither know me nor my father. For if ye had known me, ye should have known my father also. For they that dwell at Jerusalem and their rulers, because they knew him not, nor yet the voices of the prophets, which are ready every Sabbath day, they have fulfilled them in concerning him. For worship is not defined by our profession of him. It is clearly our possession of him that creates worship. When you have Jesus in the heart, there is worship. When you have Jesus in the soul, there is worship. Some expected to find the newborn king in the lives of those who profess to be God's people, and they are unable to find him. Why? Because it is not our profession, but it is his presence that creates worship. Praise is elevated by practice. When you possess Jesus, you practice love. When you possess Jesus, you practice joy. When you possess Jesus, you practice peace. When you possess Jesus, you practice contentment. When you possess Jesus, you practice holiness. When you possess Jesus, you practice forgiveness. When you possess Jesus, you practice stewardship. When you possess Jesus, you practice truth. You love in the presence of of the evil that surrounds you and that hates you. You have joy when you know that you are surrounded by sorrow and bitterness and despair. You have peace in the midst of the storm because you know that even though you are overcome by the forces of evil, that no one can unsettle your circumstances because of the peace that passes all understanding that is lodged in your heart. You are at peace when everybody else is at war. You are content because you know that as long as you have Jesus and he is your satisfaction and your possession, that the forces of evil cannot penetrate your joy. 
You are holy, not by your own place in the church, but holiness is bestowed upon those who are placed in his presence. It is his presence that makes this place holy ground. You can only forgive when you believe and practice the pattern of the one who takes our sins and buries them in the depth of the sea and remembers them no more. You can only be a faithful steward when you remember that our gifts are a reflection of his love to us. We can only give a portion, but he is the ultimate gift. He is the ultimate sacrifice. He is the only true steward. God used an evil man, Herod, to help the wise men in their search. For any person who seeks the newborn king will be led by God to him, no matter who God has to use to help the seeker. For wise men are still seeking God. The wise men unexpected sign. The star guided them again. Apparently, the wise men did not expect the supernatural sign to appear again. They had searched faithfully and done all that they could. They were continuing on, for God honors their effort. He met their need. Only the wise men went to search out the newborn king. And imagine Bethlehem was only six miles south of Jerusalem. In the absence of the Jews, God sent the wise men to worship Jesus. So if you don't praise him, the birds will sing his praises. If you don't praise him, the animals will come out of the woods two by two. If you don't praise him, donkeys will talk. If you don't praise him, the stars will fall from the skies. If you don't praise him, angels will declare his glory. If you don't praise him, the rocks will shout his praise. Praise ye the Lord. Praise ye the Lord from the heavens. Praise him in the heights. Praise ye him, all his angels. Praise ye him, all his hosts. Praise ye him, sun, moon, and stars. Praise him, all ye stars of light. Praise him, ye heavens, and ye waters that are above the heavens. I want you to know that everything that hath breath will praise the Lord. Oh, today it is time for some unexpected praise. It is time to grasp hold of the babe in Bethlehem. Cheer him on as he has come to save us from our sins. Father, today, give us the power of the indwelling Christ and may his presence permeate our place, not just today, but forever. Amen. If you've enjoyed this message by Pastor Jonathan McCautry, please reach out to us. We would love to hear from you. Call at 318-658-6216. Email us at deliverancetodayministries at gmail.com. Write us at P.O. Box 5452, Bossier City, Louisiana, 71171.
This is Ruth Ann Thompson at Deliverance Today Ministries, inviting you to join us and become a faithful pledge supporter so we can reach others through this radio ministry. Before we leave the air today, I'd like to make a special appeal for those of you who believe in the power of prayer. Please join us on our Zoom prayer line tomorrow morning at 6 o'clock a.m. Central Standard Time. Zoom number 504-535-3921. There is no ID number. Come and pray with us each day. Good day. God bless you. Deliver us. Say you need